بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يتن الله فلا مضل له ومن يدلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم وبعد This lecture uh, that we are having today uh, is perhaps one of the opening lectures that deals with a very important topic, uh, which I think all of us are in need of uh, understanding and clarification. Uh, it is dealing with the importance of knowledge in Islam. Uh, our speaker today, we're very pleased, of course, to have uh, a sheikh, uh, Dr. Uh, Soheb Hassan, uh, who, of course, may be familiar to a number of you. Uh, very briefly, Sheikh Soheb graduated from the Islamic University of Medina uh, during the early days of its uh, beginning. And he himself studied directly, of course, under the tutelage of a number of very esteemed scholars Uh, some of whom uh, are, have passed away, such as uh, Sheikh uh, Abdulaziz bin Baz, uh, Sheikh uh, Nasruddin al-Albani, Sheikh um, Abdul Muhsan Abad, and of course from his own father, uh, the Muhaddith uh, Sheikh uh, Abdul Ghaffar Hassan. Uh, Sheikh Saheb himself is the chairman of the Quran Society in London and is also the chairman of uh, Mr. Tawheed, in, also located in uh, London. Uh, the lecture today, inshallah, will be for the next hour, after which we will have about a 15-minute period for questions and answers. And um, with that, inshallah ta'ala, I will turn it over now to uh, Sheikh Sahib. Wajazakumullah khair. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هل يستوي الذين يعلمون والذين لا يعلمون Dear brothers and sisters in Islam The topic which has been just announced is the importance of knowledge. I can mention various verses of Al-Qur'an in this context, but let me mention a few of them. As you know, the first revelation which came to the Prophet ﷺ in a time when Arabia was stooped in ignorance 
At that time, people may be expecting that the first revelation should be about an economic revival, about the political situation, about some other reformed movements, but that was not the case. The first revelation which came, it was, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم The first revelation came with the importance of knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who taught with pen and he taught the man what he did not know. The source of knowledge what is the source of knowledge? وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا ثُمَّ عَرَضَهُمْ عَلَى الْمَلَائِكَةِ فَقَالَ أَنْبِئُونِي بِأَسْمَاءِ هَؤُلَاءِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ قالوا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم Rasulullah has taught Adam all the names and then he presented them to the angels and he said, give me the names of these, if you are true. And what was their answer? Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are glorified. You are absolved from all negative aspects. We got no knowledge, except what you taught us. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Innaka antal alimun hakim. Indeed, you are the one who knows who is wise. The angels very clearly said that the knowledge is only what comes from Allah. Here just uh, a note of attention. What were these names? And he taught Adam all the names. There are different tafasir, but uh, I think the best tafsir which I have read in this connection That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown Adam all those great figures, the prophets, the martyrs, the siddiqeen, the pious people who are going to come in his progeny. And he told him their names. Why? Because the angels have... Uh, have criticized or they have objected when Allah subhanahu wa wanted or asked angels to prostrate to Adam. And they have said that you want us to prostrate to someone who is going to shed blood and spoil the land. So Allah subhanahu wa wanted to show them no, that is not the case. People who are going to come in the progeny of Adam, they would be great figures. And this is why, if you see this ayah, or uh, just think about this ayah, ثُمَّ عَرَضَ The word hum, that is the pronoun which is used for, for men, for human beings. And he presented them to the angels. And then he said, give me the names of them. And Allah SWT said, Inna Allah ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun. Allah SWT knows and you don't know. 
الحديث of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم من سلك طريقا يلتمس فيه علما صحل الله له طريقا إلى الجنة the person who walks on a way leading or seeking knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make easy for him his path to al-jannah Imam Bukhari who is a very great scholar just look at his collection of hadith what is the first chapter what is the first chapter in al-bukhari hmm? the first chapter the first chapter badul wahi badul wahi starting of revelation how the wahi of the revelation started what is the second chapter al iman al iman what is the third chapter al ilm the knowledge so imam bukhari wanted to show you that what is the source of knowledge that is revelation badul wahi that is revelation the second one is al iman and this revelation is for you to believe in it not just to know about it believe in it and the third that you should acquire knowledge of that revelation and in this chapter he has mentioned 102 102 ahadith which go back to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam which are known as marfu ahadith and he has mentioned 22 athar athar sayings of uh, the sahaba same thing imam darmi has done in his collection and another great traditionist al hakim in his book al mustadrak he has devoted 44 pages 44 pages for kitab al ilm for the knowledge sayyidna ali has said uh, a very good thing he said that the knowledge is better than money then wealth in seven ways al ilm mirath al anbiya the knowledge is the inheritance of the prophets wal mal mirath al fara'ina and the money is the inheritance of pharaohs al ilm la yanqusu bin nafaqah knowledge is not going to decrease when you spend it money is going to be decreased when you spend it al ilm yahfaz sahiba knowledge is going to protect the person who got the knowledge because of his knowledge he is going to be protected he knows how to act in a different way money needs a protector al ilm yashab sahibahu ila al qabr the knowledge accompanies the person to his grave money you know does it go to the grave or it 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 remains in bindad bank barclays bank knowledge al ilm la yahsulu illa lil mu'min knowledge is only to be acquired by a believer al mal yahsulu lil mu'min wal kafir and the money 
It can be acquired by a believer, by a non-believer. Al-ilm, al-nas muhtajuna ila sahib al-ilm fi amri dinihim. People are in need of the people of knowledge to regulate their lives as far as their uh, deen is concerned. But they are not in need of a person of, of wealth in this connection. And the last thing, العلم يقوي صاحبه في المرور على الصراط Knowledge is going to strengthen or give power to the person when he is going to cross the bridge on the Day of Judgment. And the money is not going to help him there. There is uh, one dua in Al-Quran when you ask increase in something. Is it increase in, uh, in, in money, in wealth? No. Kul Rabbi zidni ilma. O Allah, increase me in the knowledge. And for the knowledge, you must correct your niyyah, your intention. Why are you acquiring this knowledge? Take this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Man ta'allama al-ilma li yubahi bihi al-ulama. أو يماري به السفهاء أو يصرف به وجوه الناس إليه فالنار النار The person who acquires the knowledge to, to become boastful in the presence of the scholars or just to dispute with the foolish people or just to turn other people towards him for this person is nothing but fire, but fire. So a person should acquire knowledge to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to help himself in acting upon the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the next uh, point in this discussion is what is the position or the ruling about seeking the knowledge? Is it for the ayn or for the kifaya? For the ayn or for the kifaya? For you it is for the ayn and for you it is for the kifaya. So the matter is finished. Huh? Half of you for the kifaya and half of you for the ayn. Are you happy with it? Huh? For the ayn means everybody should seek knowledge. And for the kifaya means some of them should seek knowledge and others should seek money, seek wealth. That means for the kifaya. Now let us take uh, the ruling from the Quran. وَمَا كَانَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لِيَنْفِرُوا كَافَّةِ فَلَوْلَا نَفَرَ مِنْ كُلِّ فِرْقَةٍ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ لِيَتَفَقَّهُ فِي الدِّينِ وَلْيُنْذِرُوا قَوْمَهُمْ إِذَا رَجَعُوا إِلَيْهِمْ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَحْذَرُونَ Of Surah Al-Tawbah. Not all the people could go out for jihad then why not from each party which, uh, which goes for jihad, few people are left behind. لِيَتَفَقَّهُ فِي الدِّينِ To get or to acquire the understanding of deen. 
and when the party comes back to them after jihad they tell them they warn them about all those things which they have learned now this ayah is it uh, about jihad yes it is about jihad and about seeking knowledge for both of them because allah subhanahu is saying that as far as jihad is concerned not all the people could go for jihad from each party which goes for jihad some people should left behind to seek knowledge with the prophet sallallahu alaihi so when the party comes back they tell them what, whatever they have learned so by this ayah you can have uh, two conclusions that is jihad yani it is for the ain when you are attacked when a muslim country is attacked by the enemy it becomes for the ain for for every person but if that is not the case then it is for the kifaya in the same way as far as the ilm knowledge is concerned that knowledge which is necessary for each and every person that is for the ain you should know about your prayer how to pray if you are a wealthy person you should know what is zakat and how much zakat you should pay yes uh, for a person who got no money you can say that uh, this is not the time for him to learn about much about zakat he can later learn about it but for fasting about fasting you should know what things uh, break the fasting and what are required in the fasting in the same way if you are going for hajj you should know about hajj and its rituals and if you are about to marry you should know about the rights of man and woman so these things become for the ain according to the circumstances as far as specialized knowledge is concerned that there should be some people who are specialized in deen uh, they can answer the questions of the people they can guide the people that is for the kifaya this what we understand from this ayah that when the people go for jihad a party or a a group of people should be left behind to seek the knowledge now i was reading some of the answers given by sheikh ibn baz in da'wah he said that nowadays da'wah is for the for the ain is a fard for everybody and in the same way the knowledge why did he say that what is the reason behind it he said that nowadays ignorance is so much wide and spread among ourselves that very few people are working for da'wah so it means that in our circumstances more and more people should join the rank of da'wah and you can't do da'wah without knowledge so it means that you should try to learn acquire knowledge and then you become a da'iyah so that is the ruling about seeking knowledge itself now what is the best of the knowledges quran has told us about it fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallah fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallah know that there is none to be worshiped except allah so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned the first thing after the knowledge that is the knowledge about tawhid the oneness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shahid allah annahu la ilaha illahu 
والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقص لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم الله سبحانه وتعالى has given witness the angels have given witness أولو العلم the people of knowledge have given witness for what لا إله إلا هو there is none to be worshipped except him so that is the best of the knowledges then comes all all other knowledges the saying of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam nadhara allahu ra'an sami'a maqalati fawa'aha wa hafidhaha thumma addaha may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refresh the face of that person who listens to my saying then he preserves it then he memorizes it and then he conveys it to the other knowledge of the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sayyidna abu huraira radhiyallahu ta'ala an said to the people in the market you are busy in the market and the inheritance of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is being distributed in the mosque so the people hurried to the mosque let us take some of the inheritance of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and what was there a man giving a lesson about al quran dars al quran they came to abu huraira ya abu huraira there was no inheritance of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said you did not notice the person was uh, teaching teaching al quran that is mirasu nabi that is the inheritance of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam inna al-anbiya lam yuwarrithu dirhaman wala dinaran walakin warrathu al-ilm faman akhadhahu akhadha bi hazdin wafir the the prophets of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not leave behind them dirham and dinar pound and dollars they have left what the knowledge so the person who has taken this knowledge he has taken a great thing now acquiring the knowledge you can say the the least at the lowest level of seeking the knowledge is that you take a book by yourself and start reading and you can't start reading if you don't know arabic language so it means that the first thing you should acquire the knowledge of arabic language if you want to really understand the book of allah and the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam anyhow even if you uh, read a book by yourself that is the lowest the lowest rank the lowest level why because you may read something you don't understand it you may read some word incorrectly and then you are going to repeat them incorrectly and it happens many times those people who who do not read uh, to a teacher they may they do mistakes in the tafsir of our sheikh sheikh sanqiti sometimes he says when uh, giving a tafsir of verse then he, he comes to say قال مقيده عفى الله عنه قال مقيده عفى الله عنه now a person was uh, speaking about the teachers of sheikh sanqiti and he said among the teachers of sheikh sanqiti is one whose name is مقيده عفى الله عنه his name is مقيده عفى الله عنه only those people who know arabic who can understand what i mean huh? now a person was uh, speaking about the teachers of sheikh sanqiti 
And he said among the teachers of Sheikh Samkhiti is one whose name is Muqayyiduhu, Afallahu Anhu. His name is Muqayyiduhu, Afallahu Anhu. Only those people who know Arabic who can understand what I mean. Huh? Because Sheikh Sanqiti is telling about himself, Muqayyid means the person who is writing this book. In English you can say, the writer says, the writer says that I myself, Sheikh Sanqiti is saying myself, I got this opinion. So this is what it means, Qala Muqayyiduhu, the writer of this book is saying, now, this person uh, who was reading the book of Wa'ul Bayan, the Tafsir al-Qur'an, Qur'an, the book of Sheikh Sankiti, he thought that this Qala Muqayyiduhu, Muqayyiduhu said, this Muqayyiduhu is the name of a person. We said that one of the teachers of Sheikh Sankiti is Muqayyiduhu, Muqayyiduhu, Muqayyiduhu. Now, this Muqayyiduhu means uh, the writer. Huh? And in the same way, he was asking that uh, there were so many names of his shiuch, but uh, one name I don't understand. He always mentions Qal al-Jamhur. Qal al-Jamhur. Huh? Jamhur have said this. Jamhur have said this. Jamhur means the majority of ulama. So he said, who is this Jamhur? Who is that fellow? Huh? Oh, Sheikh Sankhiti always mentioned him. He must be a very great scholar, Jamhur. <laughs> So, this is why the higher level of knowledge is that you read with the sheikh, you read with the teacher. So when you read with the teacher, he is going to correct you whenever you do any mistake. This is why in the hadith knowledge is either you read upon your sheikh or your sheikh is reading and you are listening. And this is how you use either haddasana, haddasana, if uh, the sheikh has told you the hadith, or you say, Akhbarana, if you have read the hadith to the sheikh and he was listening to you. In olden days, of course, uh, you have to sit with your sheikh in the mosque. Nowadays, you got universities, institutes. Uh, the same thing. The main thing is that you should learn with, your, with some sheikh who are well-versed in sharia. Now we also know something very important and that is traveling for the knowledges. As you know that Imam Bukhari, he got more than a thousand teachers, a thousand sheikh. How he got all these one thousand sheikh? He used to travel a lot. He traveled in all the capitals of Islamic countries, Muslim countries at that time, including Makkah and Medina, and then he acquired the knowledge from them, from the sheikhs of these, uh, of these capitals. Imam Malik did not travel because he was living in the seat of the knowledge in Al-Madina itself. This is why he did not travel. So if you are living in Medina, don't travel. But if you are living in London, then don't think it is Medina. Hmm. You have to travel for, the seek, for, for seeking knowledge. And uh, if you read the books of Hadith, you would say that a person is traveling to Damascus to meet one Sahabi Abu Darda. He came to him and he said, you got one Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I want to listen that Hadith from you. 
When he asked him, did you come for any trade, for any commerce, for any other purpose? He said, no. Just to take one hadith from you, the hadith which I mentioned in the beginning, in the beginning من سلك طريقا يلتمس فيه علما سحل الله له طريقا إلى الجنة إلى الجنة. And there are so many incidents of uh, people traveling just for the sake of one hadith. Accompanying your sheikh, you may have heard about uh, the student of Abdullah ibn Umar, whose name is Nafiq, who was a free slave. But now he's not a free slave. He is one of the reporters in the chain of a hadith, in the hadith which is known as a golden chain. Imam Malik taking from Nafi', Nafi' taking from Abdullah ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Umar taking from the Prophet They say it is a golden chain. All great imams, Imam Nafi' remained with Ibn Umar for 30 years. For 30 years seeking knowledge. Abdullah ibn Umar himself, he spread this knowledge for 60 years. And Imam Malik took it from Nafi'. He said that I used to go to the house of uh, Imam Nafi' in a very hot day. I used to stand in front of his door. There was no shade at all. Until Imam Nafi comes out and I say to him, Assalamu alaikum. He says, Wa alaikum assalam. I come to seek knowledge from you. Just give me a few ahadiths. And this is how Imam Malik took ahadiths from him. Another sheikh of Imam Malik is Muhammad ibn Shihab al Zuhri, a tabi'i, a successor. Imam Malik went to him on a Eid day. Imam Duhari asked him, did you eat something? Did you eat any sweet? He said, no. You did not eat any sweet? Eat day? No. All right, take some sweet. He said, no, I came here just to take some knowledge from you, some ahadith from you. I'm not interested in eating. And that was an Eid day. And it should be a holiday. But Imam Malik was taking this knowledge from his Sheikh Imam Az-Zuhri. So Zuhri gave him 40 ahadiths. He took them and then he repeated them. And Imam Zuhri was so pleased, he said, he said to him, yes, now you are a Sheikh as well. Anta khazinatul ilm. You are the treasures of knowledge. And this Zuhri, what he was doing with his Sheikh, he lived with this Sheikh Saeed ibn Musayyib for seven years. And he says about one of his Sheikh that I used to work in his garden, drawing water from the well, then watering the field. And at the end of the day, my Sheikh is giving me a hadith equal to the work I have done. This is how he received the knowledge from his Sheikh. There is a very old saying of a wise person his name is Bazar Jamar. He was a great alim or a scholar in the past. He was asked, how did you seek that knowledge? Now remember what did he say? He said, 
I sought this knowledge bi bukurin ka bukuril ghurab. Wa sabrin ka sabril himar. Wa hirsin ka hirsil khinzir. I have taken this knowledge by getting up early in the morning like a crow. I got this knowledge with the patience, the patience of a donkey. I got, the, got this knowledge with the greed, the greed of a pig. Yes, Allah SWT has created all these animals. You say sometime pig. Astaghfirullah. But Allah SWT has, has given some admonition, some knowledge, some knowledge. Yes, even pig got some good character. He is very greedy. He is very greedy to eat everything. Even he, he eat all the dirt. He is the dirt wiper. In some countries, in Japan, they were showing that if they want to clean the dirt from, from a place, they bring the swine, they bring the pigs, and they clean it. Anyhow, the pig is known with greediness. But this man is saying that I was greedy in knowledge, acquiring knowledge, and uh, the patience like the patience of donkey. Yes, the poor fellow. Whatever burden you got on his back, he is going to carry it. Never saying no to you at all. And bukurin ka bukuril warab, setting early in the morning for the knowledge. And the best way is uh, Salatul Fajr. Pray Salatul Fajr. And after that, you seek the knowledge. Your mind is fresh at that time. And be uh, very, very good to your, to your teacher who taught you. Respect them. This is how you can get the knowledge. Because those people who don't respect uh, their teachers, they are not going to be successful in their lives at all. It is reported that one of the caliph, Harun al-Rashid, he saw his son who was pouring water to his teacher al-Asma'i. Al-Asma'i is a great uh, grammarian for wudu. So he was just pouring water for the teacher and the teacher was washing his hands. So Harun al-Rashid said to his son, why did not you take water in one hand, uh, the pot of the water in one hand, and wash your teacher with the other hand? Why you just pour the water? And it is also reported uh, that once Harun Rashid saw his two sons, Amin and Mamun, he saw them running to bring the shoes of their teacher, Al-Farra. Everybody wants to take his shoes and present it to Al-Farra. Next day, when Al-Farra came to Harun Rashid, he asked him this question, Farra, tell me, who is the king? He said, you are the king. He said, no, you are not. I am, I am not the king. The king is that person. The sons of the king, the sons of the king are hurrying, are competing to collect his shoes and present it to, to, to him. That is the real king. And who are the ulama? 
إنما يخشى الله من عباده العلماء إنما يخشى الله من عباده العلماء who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from among his people العلماء the scholars they have the خشية الله and this is why they stop their tongues from slandering others are saying bad things about others they fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and here I should quote the saying of our Sheikh Sheikh Al-Albani a very precious saying he said هذه الأمة أصيبت في أقيدتها أما الصنفية فأصيبت في أخلاقها the whole ummah if you see you can say that they are suffering they are suffering in their aqidah many they are uh, you know, they are not very good in their aqidah they got so many mistakes but as far as salafi salafi peoples are concerned they are suffering in their akhlaq in their character And they think that as far as our aqidah is good, then they should not have any control upon their tongues. They should slander whom they like. They should backbite whom they like. They should write whatever they want to write about the scholars of Islam. Nobody is going to question them. Nobody is going to ask them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to take them accountable for whatever they write. This is what they think. And that is not the case. لا يلفظ من قول إلا لديه رقيب عطيد. Whatever word he utters, there is someone to write it, someone to record it. And on the day of judgment, it will be said: اقرأ كتابك كفى بنفسك اليوم عليك حسيبا. That is your record. Read it. And you are going to judge yourself by yourself. Yes, that is true. That some people, the pygmies, who got a little bit of knowledge, and then they let loose their tongues about the scholars of Islam. They don't have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. They are not scholars because the scholars are those those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are the scholars. You know about those scholars who respect each other, who honor each other, even they got some disputes or differences, difference of opinions among themselves. And this we understand from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And from the seerah of these kibar al-ulama, these great ulama of the past and the great ulama of the present. Abdullah ibn Abbas reported from the Prophet ﷺ. لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ لَمْ يَرْحَمْ صَغِيرَنَا وَيُوَقِّرْ كَبِيرَنَا ويعرف لآلمنا حقه He is not from among us who doesn't show mercy to our minors who doesn't respect our elders who doesn't recognize the right of our alim 
of our scholars. Abdullah ibn Abbas saw his teacher, Zayd ibn Sabit, riding on a camel. And he is just coming and uh, standing standing in front of that cam camel, guiding it, walking in front of it just to, just to show his respect to Zayd ibn Sabit, his teacher. And he said, Hakada umirna an naf'ala bi ulama'ina. This is how we are commanded to treat our ulama. Same Abdullah ibn Abbas, he used to come to the house of Zayd ibn Sabit again in a hot day, waiting for him in front of his door. He says that even the sands were covering my face because of the wind. Zayd ibn Sabit comes out, he says, Yabna Amme Rasulillah. Oh, the son of the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Halla ba'asta ilayya hatta atik. Did not you ask me to come to you? And he said, Ana ahaqwa an atik. No. You deserve to be visited by me. It is said that uh, someone said about Imam Shafi'i, Imam Shafi'i himself is saying, قَالُوا يَزُورُكَ أَحْمَدُ وَتَزُورُهُ قُلْتُ الْفَضَائِلُ لَا تُغَادِرُ مَنْزِلَهُ إِنْ زَارَنِي فَبِفَضْلِهِ أَوْ زُرْتُهُ فَلِفَضْلِهِ فَالْفَضْلُ فِي الْحَالَيْنِ لَهُ They said, Imam Ahmad comes and visit you. And you visit him. And I said, قُلْتُ الْفَضَائِلُ لَا تُغَادِرُ مَنْزِلَهُ I said, as far as fadilah, merits are concerned, they are in the house of Imam Ahmad. They are always there. If he visits me, that is because of his fadl. That is a great person. This is why he is visiting me. And if I visit him, I visit him because of his fadl. Because he is a great person, I visit him. فَالْفَضْلُ فِي الْحَالَيْنِ لَهُ Fadl, in both cases, is for him. And uh, the son of Imam Ahmad saw his, his father, Imam Ahmad, uh, supplicating along, making a long dua for Imam Shafi, always after Isha. And he asked him, why? And you always disagree with him in so many issues. He said, Ash-Shafi'i Kashams. Shafi is just like sun. And uh, his knowledge is far and wide. Everybody is benefiting from him. So this is why I supplicate, I make dua for him. Another example. Imam Hanifa visited Imam Sufyan al-Thawri when the brother of Sufyan al-Thawri died. So Sufyan Sori gave him a great honor. And when he returned back, the people asked Sufyan Sori, you, you have shown such a great respect for Imam Hanifa, rahmatullahi alayhi, but we always see you disagreeing with him in so many issues. Now we have uh, seen you showing such a great respect to him. 
What was the answer of Sufyan al-Thawri? He said, first of all, we should respect him because of his understanding and his knowledge. And even if you don't recognize it, because of because of his taqwa and his piety. Even if you don't recognize it, even if you don't recognize it, you have to respect him because of his age. Because he is older than me. Let me quote uh, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. Very good saying of Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. يجب على المسلمين بعد موالاة الله تعالى ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم موالاة المؤمنين كما نطق به القرآن خصوصا العلماء الذين هم ورثة الأنبياء الذين جعلهم الله بمنزلة النجوم ويحتضى بهم في ظلمات البر والبحر وقد أجمع المسلمون على هدايتهم ودرايتهم it is an obligation upon the Muslims after having friendship muwalat, with Allah and his prophets to have friendship with the believers. As Quran has told us, especially the scholars, those who are the inheritors of the prophets, those who were made like the stars And the people receive guidance from them in the darkness of the land and the sea. And all the Muslims, they got their consensus, consensus upon, their, upon this thing, that they are guided one, and they got the knowledge of Islam. Another point which is very important here, Keep away from slandering the, the ulama, the scholars. Al-Hafiz ibn Asakir, a great muhaddis traditionist, has said, وَعْلَمْ يَا أَخِي بَفَّقَنَ اللَّهُ وَإِيَّاكَ لِمَرْضَاتِهِ وَجَعَلَنَا مِمَّنْ يَخْشَاهُ وَيَتَّقِي هَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ إِنَّ لُحُومَ الْعُلَمَاءِ مَصْمُومَةِ وَعَادَةُ اللَّهِ فِي حَدْكِ أَسْطَارِ مُنْتَقِسِيهِمْ مَعْلُومَةِ He said, oh my brother, may Allah SWT enable you to acquire his player and make us among those people who fear him as he should be feared. You should know that the flesh of scholar, the flesh of scholar is poisoned. Yes, you eat this flesh, huh? it is poisoned. And those people who try to slander them, they are going to be in the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to, uh, to make them known to other people. And all what they have been hiding here, their shames would be disclosed to other people. And so some has said uh, something very important. If the ulama have been slandered, then who is going to? Who is going to remain among this ummah?
because uh, you turn back to, to your scholars when there is any matter, any serious matter, any problem. And in this connection, uh, let me mention a, a case that a person was about to marry a woman that was in night time. And this is a real case. Everything was ready and uh, Qazi was there and Nikah ceremony was about to take place. At that time, an old woman phoned and she said, this woman was divorced once by her previous husband. She created a doubt in the mind of the other person, the person who was about to marry her. Now this person, he was also ignorant, he got no knowledge. He started looking for a alim, for a scholar, to give him fatwa, what to do now? Because uh, he was told now that this woman was divorced once by her previous husband. Throughout the night, it may be late at night, he did not find any alim, any alim. But it was, uh, it got a very bad you can say, impression upon the woman when she heard what was uh, going around, she fell unconscious until she was taken to the hospital. And Allah knows better what happened to her, to her later. The point is that because there was no alim to tell him what is the situation all what happened, and all what happened is because of that. The doubt which was created by this old lady was baseless, because if a woman was divorced once, and the Idda period has passed, which is about three months' time, then the woman is divorced. And this is another thing which I wanted to say, that ignorance is so much prevalent in our times, that most of the people... Most of the people, they know that if you want to divorce, you have to divorce three times. Just ask anybody how to, how to divorce, they, he would say, you have to say talaq, talaq, talaq three times. That is the way of divorce. And that is not the way of divorce. That is just one talaq. One talaq, because what is the benefit of one talaq? That after this talaq, idda period starts. And during idda period, a man is allowed to take his wife back, which is known as ruju. That is a long period, because he may have divorced her in a moment of anger. Because on that day, uh, the, the, the food was not cooked well, huh? So he said, divorce. <laughs> Later he is going to say, no, that, is, that, that was not uh, a good decision. So he can take her back. He can take her back. Three months is a good time to, to reflect and think. And the matter could be solved. But those people who are in the habit of uh, divorcing three times, then they come to this scholar, that scholar, oh, what we are going to do now? And then the people would say, all right, you go to that Salafi scholar, he is going to give you fatwa, huh? that these three divorces are equal to one, 
and you can take your wife back. And then he would say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. There is a way out in Salafi, huh? in Salafiyya. Yes, that is not Salafiyya, that is the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, if you say in the moment of hunger three times, talaq, then it is going to be considered as one. And after one talaq, you can take your wife back. After two talaq, you can take your wife back. And after three talaq, the matter is very serious. So the main thing is, uh, the ignorance is so much prevalent that the person who was about to marry this woman, he did not know that after one talaq, if the iddat has passed, the woman was divorced. And uh, he, was, uh, he was quite right to, to marry her. Even the woman did not know that. Even that old lady who inspired, like Al-Waswas Al-Khannas, huh? she also, she did not know that. So how you can remove that ignorance? You can only remove it with knowledge. Now it is a sign that my time is, uh, has come to an end. Huh? Your presence, inshallah, I'm going to end now. Now a uh, few more points. Keep away also from, uh, from saying a bad thing about a scholar or to say that he has done a mistake. Or because of that you try to minimize his, uh, his position or slander him. Remember the saying of Saeed ibn al-Musayyab, a great tabi'i, لَيْسَ مِنْ عَالِمٍ وَلَا شَرِيفٍ وَلَا ذِي فَضْلٍ إِلَّا وَفِي عَيْبٌ وَلَكِنْ مَنْ كَانَ فَضْلُهُ أَكْسَرَ مِنْ نَقْسِهِ ذَهَبَ نَقْسُهُ لِفَضْلِهِ كَمَا أَنَّ مَنْ غَلَبَ عَلَيْهِ نُقْصَانُهُ ذَهَبَ فَضْلُهُ There is no alim, no noble person, no person of excellence, but there is some defect in him, some عيب. Some defect in him. But the person whose merits, whose father is more than his defects, now these defects are going to be discounted because of his merits. In the same way, if his defects are more, then his merits are going to be discounted. So when you want to judge a person, see what are uh, the good characters uh, in him, and what are the bad ones and which one are more. Try to find excuses uh, for, uh, for a person when he does a mistake. As Sayyidina Umar has said, لَا تَظُنَّ بِكَلِمَةٍ خَرَجَتْ مِنْ أَخِيكَ الْمُسْلِمْ سُوءًا وَأَنْتَ تَجِدُ لَهَا فِي الْخَيْرِ مَحْمَلًا Don't have uh, a bad speculation about your Muslim brother if he has said something and you can find out a better way of understanding for this word which he has uttered. And a word which he, he has uttered, he, it may have two meanings, a bad meaning and a good meaning. Try to take the good meanings, not the bad ones.
And uh, let me quote in the end the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. كُلُّ بْنِ عَدَمَ خَطَّاءٌ وَخَيْرُ الْخَطَّائِينَ التَّوَّابُونَ Every Ibn Adam has to do mistake. But the best one among them are those who repent, who come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who repent. And uh, that is enough for a person who does any mistake. And uh, with this, I come to the end of this speech. Um, we now have approximately um, 15 minutes or so for questions and answers. Uh, you can uh, send the questions up either by um, paper or you can come and step to the microphone to my, uh, my left, my far left, uh, in order to uh, bring forth your questions. Uh, likewise, for the sisters, they may do likewise. There is a uh, microphone, of course, on the sister's side if they wish to uh, uh, express their questions or if they wish to send their questions up here uh, by paper, uh, whichever the two, inshallah, we'll uh, do our best in order to address them. Wajazakallah khair. You have said that to, uh, to seek the knowledge is uh, for the for the ayn, yeah? To seek the knowledge. No. So, and give da'wah as well, according to Sheikh bin Baz, mm. uh, is for the ayn as well. So, if any brother is not doing all of two at the moment, are we sinning? There is, uh, there is no point about uh, saying that if a person is doing both things together, he may be sinning. No, there is no matter of sin at all. The main thing is that dawah should be based upon knowledge. This is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I invite towards it upon a clear evidence. So it means that uh, whatever you invite, whomever you invite, you should have basira, you should have uh, proper knowledge about it. So if you, got, if you got knowledge about a certain thing, you can invite the people towards it. You know that uh, prayer is an obligation. So you can invite the people, the Muslims, to the prayer. Because you know that there is no doubt about it. 
And in the same way, the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Balighu anni walau ayah." Even if you know one ayah of the Quran, try to convey it. So whatever knowledge you got, you try to limit yourself in that knowledge. But when it comes to the questioning, somebody questions you something, you don't know the answer, then uh, don't try to be a mufti at that time. You say, I don't know. Imam Malik was asked so many questions, and in most of the questions he used to say, La Adri, La Adri. A person of the caliber of Imam Malik is saying, I don't know, I don't know. So there is nothing wrong if you say, I don't know, if you really don't know. And leave it to someone who is more knowledgeable. So a person who is, in, who is involved both in knowledge and dawah, he is uh, combining al-husnayain, two good things. He must be congratulated for that. And you must pray for such a person that uh, in our times when there are very few people who are engaged in dawah, this person has taken this job. I mean, I don't mean job here means uh, you are doing dawah just because of money. No, job means a duty. And as you know that uh, this dawah was the duties of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That was the noblest work or the noblest job which was given to the prophets of Allah. Because uh, it needs a lot of patience lot of patience, because without that patience, you can't work in the field of Dawah. Because the people, they always try to, to attack you, to slander you, to object you, to say something ill about you. If you don't have this patience, you can't go forward. So this is why those people who are on the path of, of Al-Anbiya, the prophets, they should acquire this patience as well. And as it is reported by Hassan al-Basri, he said that people even did not uh, spare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say so many things about Allah, even they don't believe in Allah, and Allah is giving them risk. He is sustaining them, He is nourishing them, He is giving them everything, but they say, speak ill of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, what is my position or your position? People are going to say things, so just ignore them, and carry on with your work of Dawah. So question says, um, <clears throat> you mentioned that the ulama are the inheritors of the Prophet ﷺ. You said, uh, shouldn't we understand, uh, shouldn't we understand from this that apart from knowledge, they should inherit trials and tribulations. Also, How can we know the sincere ulama from the insincere ones? Yes, this uh, uh, tribulations and trials, this is the sunnah of an anbiya. But every person is tried according to his belief, according to his iman. This is why the prophets, they are the ones who got uh, the biggest part of these trials, and then those people who come after them, and then those people who come after them. So that is the sunnah 
of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those people who are on the same path that they have to receive trials. And about uh, how to know the sincere ulama from the non-sincere ulama, that is not difficult to find out because uh, every tree is known by its fruits. So in the same way, the ulama, they are known by their writings, by their speech, by their character. So many things. Uh, these ulama, they are known because of that. Now, uh, you know Sheikh Ibn Baz, how his janazah was witnessed by millions of the people. That great person, who was known by every person to be the most sincere, alim, knowledgeable alim and sincere alim. A brother has written about him that uh, once a man from a remote part of Africa came to him with an application seeking some assistance. He, he said that uh, he needs 20,000 riyal. Now, Sheikh Ibn Abbas, uh, at that time, he may not have this, this amount. So he asked his secretary to give him a certain amount. It may be 2,000 riyal. So he, he went to the secretary and he took the money. Later, after a few days' time, Sheikh Ibn Abbas also commanded for another person to give him some money. Now the secretary came and he said to Sheikh, Sheikh, there is no money left because you have already given 20,000 to that person. Now, what did uh, this person do? He changed uh, this figure of 2,000 by adding one zero to 20,000, and he took 20,000 real from, from the secretary. Now, the writer is saying that the people in that sitting, they thought that Sheikh is going to be very angry. Very angry. Why? Why this man has done this cheat? But Sheikh started saying, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. And the impressions of grief appeared on his face. Why? He said, Why I did not notice the dire need of this person? Why did not I give him 20,000 at that time? Because I did not give him, this is why he cheated this. Huh? If I have given him the exact amount, he must not have done this. So he was blaming himself. Why did I do that? That is the caliber. That is the shiuch. And you, you know them by their actions. No. Um. The question here is from a sister. It says... Um, uh, if a sister is divorced and has no mahram to come to conferences like this, is she wrong to travel alone with children to seek knowledge at these gatherings? Jazakallah khair. Now, seeking knowledge is also an obligation. This is why now we are uh, between two extremes, or two, two things. One is seeking knowledge, which is, uh, which is obligation, and the other, the prohibition that a woman should not travel without a mahram. So there are two things, and you have to give preference to one of them. There are some scholars who would say that always the prohibition should be given preference. 
the prohibition should be given preference. For example, there is a commandment when you enter the mosque, the Prophet sallallahu said, When some of you enter the mosque, he should not sit down until he pray, until he prays two rakah. That is known as Tahiyyatul Masjid. That is a commandment. And the prohibition is that you should not pray any nafil prayer after Asr. After you have prayed your Asr, you did not pray any nafil prayer. So, if a person enters after Asr prayer in the mosque, what he should do? One hadith is saying that you should not sit until you pray two rakah. And the other is saying that Praying any nafil prayer after Asr is prohibited. So there are ulama who have given preference to this prohibition. They say, no, we should not pray it. Because prohibition is to be given preference. And the other said, no, this prayer is min zawatil asbab. This prayer is not a nafil prayer alone. It is caused by a reason. And the reason is you are entering into the mosque. So because you have entered the mosque, this is why it has become obligatory upon you. So they have given the preference to the obligation here, and they said, whenever you enter the mosque, even if it is after Asr, you should pray to Raqqa. So now there are here, there are these two points. There are many scholars who have said that a woman should not travel alone without a mahram. And this is why they would say, no, you should not. You should not travel. And the other who would say that seeking knowledge is an obligation and uh, this type of gathering is a great source of knowledge. So people may not get such type of knowledge in other, in other places. So they could travel if they are accompanied by a group of other women. The main thing is that uh, if uh, they are traveling in a group, they may not be subjected to any danger. And that is the same opinion of some of the scholars for the old woman going for Hajj. If they don't have any mahram and they are accompanied by a group of women with some, uh, some mahram of some of the women, they may travel for Hajj. So these are the two opinions. These are the two opinions which uh, I can uh, just present both of them to you. And Allah knows better. Very recently I have read uh, a fatwa of Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreen when he was asked if a woman can, can fly without a mahram within the boundaries of the country. And of course, uh, he was asked this question in Saudi Arabia. So he was answering according to the situation in Saudi Arabia. So he said in his answer that if a mahram of that woman accompanies her to the stair of the plane and another mahram receives her at the other end, then she can travel alone within the kingdom. So it implies that, uh, why did he say, say so? He said so because he knows that uh, flying within the kingdom is safe. There is no 
no danger for such a woman when she flies alone. So this is why he has given, he might have given this fatwa. But th that may not be the case in any other country. So you can take this, uh, this fatwa according to the situation in a certain country. Now, other ulama of Saudi Arabia, most of them, they would say that it is not allowed for a Muslim woman to travel without a mahram. This is the fatwa of the majority of ulama. The only fatwa which gives some release, that is the fatwa of Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreen, in this way or in this context which I have just mentioned. So I don't find myself in a position to give preference to one fatwa upon the other. This is why I have presented both of these fatwa to you. And Allah knows better. Question is هل العلم المطلوب الذي ينبغي أن يطلب والذي يسلك طالبه طريقا الجنة علم الآخرة أو العلوم الدينية أو يتزمن علوم الدنيا كذلك. The question is that uh, the knowledge which is going to lead you to al-jannah, which knowledge is that? Is it the knowledge of deen or it also includes secular, secular knowledges? As far as uh, the knowledge which, which takes you to Al-Jannah, there is no doubt that uh, this is uh, the best knowledge. This is the knowledge of Tawheed. This is the knowledge of Deen. There is no doubt about that. But as far as seeking knowledge is concerned, Al-Ilm, seeking knowledge, that, yani we, we, we don't say that it is only the knowledge of Deen. Even the secular knowledges which are needed by this ummah, they are also included in the word al-ilm. Because these knowledges are going to benefit the Muslim ummah. The knowledge of medicine, the knowledge of engineering, the knowledge of flying, all other sciences, they are included in the word knowledge itself. And as long as you are benefiting the ummah through these knowledges, then inshallah, you will have uh, the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that knowledge as well. So don't think that these sciences are not included in knowledge. Yes, they are included as long as the Muslim ummah needs such knowledges. No. There's a question here, Sheikh. He said, could you please uh, again...